You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hello, hello, another episode of Future Friday Podcast. Uh, it's my podcast. I'm Tom Ming. Uh, today we've got Jose Prieto from Make War. Jose is a good friend of mine. I love how fucking passionate he is and how quickly he gets to emotionally kind of like uh, a worth it place, you know? Uh, no, not much weather talk when it comes to Jose. Make War has a new record coming out called Get It Together on Fat Records. Congrats to Sign to Fat. Comes out on November 1st and they are touring in support of it. We stoked. We talk a little bit about songwriting, a little bit about punk rock, uh, what it was like to come to the United States at such an older age, and um, you know, sign to your childhood dream record label, which is a pretty, pretty fucking cool thing. Over here, it has been an insane time. We put out a record; it's been out for a week. People seem to really like it, especially the Germans. They put it at number forty in their charts. That's pretty cool. Uh, there's a bunch of metrics. They all come out like a week and a half afterwards. We have like a number in whatever new category that they, that they have now as they're trying to calculate the weight of a stream. Um, and yeah, it's always hilarious. I do know that we got knocked down in the LP section, like the physical LP section by Garth Brooks. Motherfucker. What can you do, you know? I'm completely surrounded by moving boxes. Uh, moving tomorrow. Uh, there's a lot of things that don't fit into moving boxes and a lot of things that I'm unwilling to reconcile my emotional entanglement with at the moment. So I'm going to record this intro and put this uh, podcast up with my friend. I uh, am always had a real, a whole lot of trouble with being organized and with over, how can I say over keeping things without saying hoarding things? <laughs> uh, with, you know, tools and being a bit disorganized and stuff and I've been trying to work on that. But I did learn... At a very early age, working for a company called 1-800-GOT-JUNK while, it's, uh, while it was in its infancy, that I w- will never be as bad as, as probably most people on either side of the spectrum. There's some people who would be so uptight and um, tidy when you came to throw things away that they would already be cleaned and packaged up and everything. And there would be other places where you'd go to a garage that was maybe four feet full of old shit and they would stand by the doorway and... Uh, try to stop you as you took each thing to the truck that you were trying to throw away and I realized that um, uh, those people then were on shows called Hoarders uh, or that show called Hoarders so that was like a weird thing I, and uh, yeah you, you got to expose to a whole lot of things about that job I would love to just write about it sometime and uh, maybe even talk about it like at length solo on a podcast about the incredible stories that had happened there. Everything from the heartbreaking ones that people you know weren't able to get rid of their stuff while their children were were forcing them to, to hilarious ones like finding um, you know cigarettes and weed and dildos and shit like in uh, when moving like clearing out a, a, a like a teenager's room or some shit like that. Um, a lot of good times. A lot of interesting things came about from that. But enough rambling. Today's guest. Jose Prieto. Hey, what's up, man? Thank you so much for joining me. 
Thanks, Dom. Yeah. yeah. Uh, first off, I wanted to say congratulations on signing to Fat. Thank you, man. It's been it's been a fucking dream of mine since I was like sixteen. That's, that's <laughs> fucking awesome. That's crazy. You can yeah. make that uh, happen. You have that same idea. You never did. Yeah. It actually fucking comes to fruition. Trust me, I didn't know. I, I didn't think it was, was going to happen for a while because, like, for a while so I just stopped, like, uh, completely playing music, and just you know, it just went with my life with like work and whatever, and yeah. But yeah, I didn't know what's going to happen until <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah, man. I, uh, so I was trying to remember the exact moment that I met you, and I couldn't narrow it down. I knew I met you uh, when you were playing as Sad and French. I think I met you before that. I think you were hanging out with um, Mikey from I'm the Avalanche. Yeah. That's I think what that's it was. How, I think that's how we met. We met We met with Mike. Uh, Mike was like, yo, uh, let's go to the show. The men's singers are playing. I don't even know if I knew you guys then. Um, I think it was at the... Uh, the Knitting Factory. No shit. A yeah. long, 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 long time ago. Hell yeah. Uh, and I think we all hung out after that because I, I remember Mike saying that he met you guys in Australia. Like you guys kind of like passed by. Like you, I, don't, I don't know if you were playing like the same festival or something, right? Yeah, there's this uh, festival that, that uh, in Australia called Soundwave Festival. Yeah. Um, and what they do is it's this giant, massive, think like a warp tour, but a bigger kind of festival with, that isn't really punk. It's just like rock and they'll have all kinds of bands on it. But they, in between all the dates, they have like packages of bands that are on the tour. So they'll have a Sydney warp tour date, but then they'll have a couple punk shows in between that are like Bad Religion. I think it was Bad Religion, Us, and the Street Dogs were one thing. And then I and the Avalanche and a couple other bands were another thing. And you would crisscross and we'd all be on the same flights and stuff like that. And that was when we met those guys. We hit it off real fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those guys are fun. Yeah, man, they're they're fucking great. Uh, so yeah, I remember that, and then I remember the next time I saw you, I think it was at the uh, uh, the music hall of Williamsburg, I think, and you were like, "Where's your co- where's your cousin?" And I'm like, "What cousin?" You're like, "Mike," <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh no, we're not related, dude." <laughs> I remember this. I remember this. Yeah, I love how at the so, end of hanging out, that's what I took from it. I mean, taller than me, beards, tattoos, like a draw. <laughs> That's a poor excuse. But uh, yeah, man. I uh, So I read a couple of the interviews that you sent me. Thank you very much for that. Yeah. Um, and you talk about how you got into punk rock, and I thought that we could we could get into that. But I was actually wanting to ask you, how, do you remember getting into music? Do you remember your first kind of exposures to it? Was it like... Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, my cousin, my real cousin back in the day, uh, he started playing drums. And... Then he got this band, right? It's like high school band or whatever. He was a little older than I was. And I went to see them and I was like, man, that looks fun. Like I, you know, and I was like, I wonder if I, because they needed a guitarist then. And I was like, I wonder if I should, if I learn how to play guitar, like I could like be in that band. Yeah. Um, so like I told my mom and my dad and they were like, all right. I mean, because cause I was, actually I wasn't into music way before this. Like my mom always wanted to get me into it into music so I, I started playing like flute i played the flute i played uh how piano. old were you when you started playing the uh flute um i think like seven damn seven. yeah like super super young um i started singing too like you know in like uh choirs and shit yeah uh but then when when they started teaching me how to read music i'm like oh i don't like this like this is like actual like this is like school and totally. I, I just i just wanted to play 
Yeah, it's it's really easy, I think, to take. Uh, and I know a lot of people had similar experiences with starting to learn the classical way of music. It's kind of really easy at that age to take it, and it becomes work, and it's not fun anymore. I know, <laughs> but like now, like now that I'm submission. older, yeah. But now that I'm older, I'm like, man, I wish that I would have like learned. I should learn how to read some music. Oh that my god, yeah. Of... <laughs> I think that being able the way to write that we've been able to write by coming up not knowing music, not learning, uh, or at least not remembering all the rules that they taught, so we were able to kind of um, break them without knowing them. But now, imagine yeah. if you could just sit at a piano with a piece of music and just fucking play it. That would be awesome. You'd be exposed to so many more, or, so many more or songs. Or be in the van, or be in the van and while you write lyrics, you like actually write the notes too, like right next to the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, totally. Hell yeah. yeah. It's uh, pretty wild how software is making that so easy now with the piano roll inside of like GarageBand and stuff. You know, you kind of yeah, true. Once true. you get that, you kind of learn it. Yeah, yeah. I know. For me, uh, music like when I was a kid, I remember like classic rock or soft rock in the car and like church and stuff when family gatherings was kind of the first place I was really exposed to music. And for so long, I separated those in my mind, and then I realized, well, no, I'm a musician. They kind of it's all on the same the same pathway, the same timeline. You know? Yeah, dude, I fuck. I used to play in church. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, I play. I play the saxophone in church. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So just ripping a sax solo in the middle of uh, like "Be Not Afraid" or something. I don't know what kind of church you went to. No, it was like a like a Catholic church. It was like for for young people, like back in the day. Yeah. When you know, and my mom was really into into that type of shit. So like, she really tried to push me that you know I went to Catholic school and stuff. Yeah. No. It's yeah. Funny how that it seems like that the, the that Catholic Church had the same repertoire of like twenty five thirty songs that everybody yes. knows because like they just Simon, Simon and Garfield like <laughs> they have like five Simon and Garfield so songs that they change the lyrics completely and they they're like God and Jesus and like Mary yeah yeah it's so funny we were actually driving uh, recently Greg myself and Joe. And we were just remembering the most popular church songs and like kind of just having fun. <laughs> singing Did you sing it all together in the van? That's fun. <laughs> yeah, closely trying to remember them and, and being like, yeah. well, I never actually paid attention to how intense these lyrics are. <laughs> they have all yeah. these people uh, singing. It's great. I remember uh, when you first told me uh, Sad in French, I thought the name was, was really funny because uh, you just picture at least part of the um, – French aesthetic is just inherently sad. <laughs> when it comes yeah, to, like the writing yeah, like, music like a right sad, a sad mind with like a the <laughs> a get and like a glass of wine for sure. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be pretty good. But yeah, why don't you tell me a little bit of how uh, how you went from doing the solo project of Sad in French to um to to where you got to make War. Uh, all right, so I so Sad in French was just me and yeah, you know, the guitarist who met me and saw probably saw me a couple of times. Um. And and it was just like my way of like getting back into music. Like after I, so I, I was in a punk band uh, back in Venezuela before I moved to the states. Actually, uh, sorry to interrupt yeah. you. Maybe yeah. it'd be good to give the context of when you were in Venezuela when you were in the states. Um, okay. And how that related to your your career coming up in music and stuff. Yeah. So uh, so yeah. Like what we were talking about growing up. Like after my cousin started his band and I, I started playing guitar. I actually tried for his band, and his uh, his band members were like, "Dude, you can't have your family in the band. Like, you like, especially if you're your little cousin. You know, like they were all like in high school, and I was in like middle school or something. And yeah. like, um, so, and I'm kind of glad because they were they were kind of like a like a I don't know like a corn wannabe band, 
you know, like seven string guitars. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't remember who actually started uh, showing me like punk rock. Um, it was probably some friend in high school. Uh, and I remember, I remember like listening to like, I don't know, like Blink-182, because I knew about Green Day, and I didn't know that Green Day was actually punk rock. I just thought that they were just like rock, you know? Yeah. Um, and at this time, I, I think I read that you didn't speak English well, or you just didn't speak English at all? I didn't speak English at all. Yeah, so I think I, that's super interesting that, that you got really into the music and just like, kind of like the phonetic um, noises of the language or like the, the attitude that you could hear behind it or whatever. Oh, 100%. 100%, dude. Like the, especially the way, the way they, you know, they sang the melodies and like yeah. I was very, into, I was very into, I was, of course, I was more into music than, than lyrics because I didn't get the lyrics, but, uh, but I also really liked the way the singers like, you know, play with the melodies on, on their voices, especially when, when they play guitar too. I was like, how the fuck does this guy like does this like riffs things and <laughs> comes up with this melodies, you know? Yep. Hell yeah. Uh, uh, did not to get too sidetracked, but did you ever, when you, so I bet you a lot of these songs got stuck in your head. Um, yeah. And you mentioned Blink-182. Did you ever, when you realized what they were saying, were there any like kind of hilarious there's, moments? There's, a, there's a funny story about that actually. Yeah. I could tell you like, uh, the Ataris, the Ataris used to be one of my favorite bands. Yeah. Like back then, uh, I mean, you know, their music's actually still pretty good. Like, you know, the all, but like when after like after I learned like what they were saying, I was like, fuck, this is so like cheesy and like, <laughs> like I don't know. The Ataris for sure. The Offsprings too. The Offsprings are like, I mean, they're a great band, but like when you actually know what they're saying, you're like, what the fuck, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great, and nothing's nothing's wrong with the Atari stuff, the Offsprings, but it's just like I don't know, like after, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm sure maybe if you saw some music videos and stuff, you can get a little bit of a narrative because that was kind of popular back then, where you you take the the lyrics of the song and write in it, but probably not as well. Yeah, so you're kind of just swinging blind. When, yeah, uh, I, when I was reading, uh, you talk about that. It reminded me of this uh, this song by an Italian guy that I got to send you. I can't remember the name of it. I could look it up. But it is this guy, he's Italian, and he wrote this song. It was like a huge hit in Italy. And all the lyrics were fake English. So he's just <laughs> he's just making the noises. He says, like, Pepsi here and there. And he just kind of, like, uses the, the, the more, like, some of the, I don't even know what you'd call them, guttural or whatever noises in English. And it's hilarious. It's real good. And is he, like, super famous in Italy? Yeah, I guess so. And he just yeah. had a song where he's pretending to... Uh, speak english in it and it's real funny. funny the video is great just like dancing through and there's like a bunch of um references to like u.s pop culture and shit like that well speaking of that if you want to if you want to bring it back to to my my venezuelan band um uh, like you said like i never i didn't speak any english so i used to you want to go and they had a great it was a great name i think right love the band oh uh, oh uh, yeah the venezuelan band was called the go-go punkers yeah, yeah. The Go Go Punkers, yeah. uh, man, I, I come up with great names for bands all the time. Sad and French, the Go Go Punkers. Hell yeah! <laughs> um, yeah, so the Go Go Punkers was just me and and my best friends from from like the, the actual building where we all lived together. Uh, uh, the building was called Cormoran. Uh, and then we we were all like, you know, all right, we can sing in English or we can sing in Spanish. 
Well, none of us know any English, so like it's gonna be hard. But but our main goal is to like move to the states and you know move to California and get signed by Fat or Epitaph and like you know start touring. That's what was our main goal. So we were like, if we sing in Spanish, no one's gonna know over there whether we're singing. So we better start singing in English. Uh, so I had this I had this program called Power Translator on my Windows ninety five computer. And I remember writing all the lyrics in Spanish and then just clicking the button. And then like five minutes later, you you have all the lyrics in English. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So it's kind of like that Italian guy, but maybe maybe he did the same thing. And I, and now that I listen to my if I, if I listen to my old band, like it makes no sense at all. Oh, I'm sure. You know, especially well, some the, of some of, yeah. Yeah, especially with the the, the translation technology on yeah. that old that back then. Even now, you use Google, which is infinitely uh, more powerful than I can even imagine. It's way it's better, still, like, no, now, it's so good. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, at least from what, can, from what I can tell, using it in Europe, it seems to be to to be really really good. Uh, but yeah. back then, I can't even imagine what the kind of translation you would get for some stuff. Um. Yeah. I and mean, then, I can I can send you some stuff. It's funny as hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy that you had that goal, and although it didn't happen with all your friends that you lived with, it it happened now. Like yeah. here you are, this many years later, signed to the record label that you wanted to. Yeah, um, yeah, that's pretty fucking sick, man. And extremely yeah. impressive to come back. Sometimes, and, sometimes, yeah. Like it was, it was really hard not to tell everyone when when it happened. Um, but I just wanted to tell literally everyone, especially all my friends from back home. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. What, uh, what was it like, um, learning English? Did you, did you use any tr tricks or like, um, was there any formal classes or did you kind of just were immersed? No. So the, you know, I, we, we get English classes there in high school and middle school, like, just like you guys get like Spanish here, you sure, know, like yeah. you have like probably one class a week or something. Um, and I always fell, always fucking fell. Like it was, it was uh, biology, English, I don't know, fucking history. And I, I was, I was the worst fucking student in high school. Um, <laughs> I think that's a that usually kind of runs make, makes for good songwriting. Yeah, like that's usually uh, you can't be. I was just watching. I think it was Bruce Springsteen that said you can't uh, you can't be good at school and rock and roll, which I disagree with. But I think you you know the sentiments there. Yeah yeah uh yeah so like my i think my like my trick was to just like straight move here that was my trick i was just like i'm just gonna and my and my plan was to move here just move here and just like you, you know start working at i don't know like my in my head i remember i i'm just gonna go to work at mcdonald's or something and like I'm going to either find a band or like bring my band here and like we're going to do something, you know? And then my dad was like, hey, like, all right, like, let's talk about this. <laughs> you're not just going to move there when you're like 17 and like, and I'm going to start working. Like, live, why don't you like go to college and like, you know, you seem to like drawing, you know, and like painting and stuff. So maybe look, look something for that, go to college and then, you know, figure it out after. I'm like, all right. I guess, I guess you're right. Sometimes, Dad. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I came here straight, straight to college, uh, and this place that I went to, the Art Institute in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Like, they only care about your money. They don't care if you speak the language or not. So like, they were like, oh, international student, come over. 
You know, like, no shit. You, you're, you're not speaking English, it's fine. We'll actually teach you English. Uh, but, you know, you have to pay us a bunch of money for us to teach you English. But, you know, it's fine. We'll teach you English. So, like, that's what I did. I did, uh, I did like, one design class and, like, four English classes for, like, a whole year or something oh, like no that. Oh, no shit. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but, you know, I mean, it kind of worked out. And then, you know, yeah. That's that's how it happened. I mean, I, after you move, after you start like you know living in the place that you know they're speaking the language, and like you started like actually getting some friends, and like even though South Florida was kind of weird because you know everyone speaks Spanish in South Florida. South Florida is is one of the most bizarre places that I've ever been to. I sure. agree. I've only been there a couple times. It's yeah. yeah. You play you play uh, Fort Lauderdale before, right? Yeah, I played Fort Lauderdale. That's kind of the only place that we play in in South Florida. We've played a couple what other towns play? that are basically the culture room. Yeah, we played the culture room. Yeah, um, which if I remember correctly, I really I hope I'm not messing up these uh, these venues. Is the one that's owned by a guy who's real into like '80s guitar music and has an insane light show on stage, and insists on being the 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 LD person. Oh, so, I don't know because I never play there, but I've been to many shows there when I lived there. All right, I'm gonna Google this real quick while we're here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fort Lauderdale was like a uh, uh, an '80s style club. Um, that had a giant stage. There's mirrors everywhere. The stage was like one of those, but that's way too high for the. Uh, oh, uh, st- I remember it being a really high. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the guy who owned it was oh, like an intense guy from New Jersey with like a, a hat on, you know, like a Florida like straw fedora kind of hat. Yeah, and insisted on doing the lights for the bands. He was just like, "No, that's what I do. I own the club. That's what that's what I'm doing." I'm here. I'm like, <laughs> All right, I guess so. And then it was like a seizure inducing, but at sometimes kind of cool '80s insanity. And we were just like, "This place is definitely built with cocaine money. Just as that's that's what it is." Because there's no way they can afford to put two million dollars into this dark uh, punk club. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that's always really funny there in South Florida. There's a, I remember watching a documentary about, uh, I think it was called Cocaine Cowboys, and they okay. laid out some of the information regarding how much money they think was laundered through Miami, and it was insane. It was like all the construction, all of the things that happened there were built because of the cocaine money. It's so weird it's to have a, a city that's completely just founded on uh, uh, like black market cash like that. Yeah. It's fucking yeah. weird, man. I, you know, I, 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 I like my time in Florida. I like, you know, I, I when I think about it and when I think about it, 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 it was some like really, really fun times, but like, you know, Florida now is only good for like fest and, you know, maybe a weekend in Miami. Yeah. I don't know. But that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We were just in St. Augustine for the first time and that was kind of cool. St. Augustine like, is uh, actually pretty cool. Yeah. yeah I neat. like St. Augustine. Yeah. It was uh, not what I was uh, uh, expecting because we had only played on the outskirts at a Harvest for Hope festival before. And uh, we went to Fort Lauderdale and it was my girlfriend Beth Ann's uh, birthday. So we went down a couple days early before playing Sing Out Loud Fest with Hot Water Music. And it was cool to walk around the town. There's a bunch of buildings there from like the 1600s. And you're yeah. just like, oh, okay. Yeah, I heard it's like the oldest city in the States, right? Yeah, I think it's the oldest city in uh, North America. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's the oldest, like, place going. Which is pretty funny. Oh, Florida. Yeah. Yeah, old Florida. Yeah. So every time there was a time where we would just go on a tour, and a quarter of the tour would be in 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 Florida. <laughs> that fest re- residual stuff. I do remember. Yeah, I remember like when I lived there. I'm like, man, why? How come bands don't come to Florida? Like, like 
like back in the day, it was like really hard for bands to come to Florida, and I get it now because you have to go all the way down there and then all the way up, and it's just like yeah, especially the South Florida was always hard to get to, and there wasn't yeah. like a huge giant punk scene, and you're just like okay, now, yeah. who was from Florida? Against All Authority was from Florida. Against All Authority was from Florida. Yeah, yeah. dude, fuck, those are my favorite bands. Yeah, love that. I shit. saw them. I saw them on the culture room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Hell yeah. I uh, hope I'm not mistaking the culture room for another venue, but I don't know. Whatever. I don't think so. I think yeah. you are. You're there's right. a there's another story that I, I know you, you've telling, and that's how you guys made it uh, got signed to Red Scare uh, during the snowstorm. Yeah, that's a good story. Yeah, hell yeah. It was funny. I wanted to tell you that I uh, was texting Joe before this and because I, I wasn't sure if this was during the same snowstorm, but we had an insane weekend because we were supposed to meet up with Brendan uh, before or after he got stuck there. And it was Joe Godino's birthday, and we knew the snow was coming, so we <laughs> got a, a keg. And we dragged it through the snow and brought it to his house and surprised him and made him throw a party for himself. It was uh, that's amazing. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty great. Uh, it was one of the maybe one of the last times that we would ever be able to do something like that. But it was it was yeah. incredible. Yeah, I always kind of yeah, love that. Yeah, that's fun. I like I like that you guys were having as much fun as we did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at the same like at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody up here loves a snow day. You know, we grew up with it. A snow day comes. It means you don't get to go to school that day. Everything kind of shuts down. You realize that despite all of the little things you think are so important every day, kind of just the world's going to keep on turning anyway. Yeah. You know. I mean, I I love a snow day too. Uh, what what bothered me or like what bummed me out was that we were supposed to play uh, with I Am The Avalanche, bring it back to the beginning, we were supposed to play with I Am The Avalanche at a musical at Williamsburg. And it was going to be my first time playing musical at Williamsburg. And and I was like, fuck, dude. Like, you know, like I really wanted to play the show. <laughs> yeah, uh, fucking sucks. Sorry. Yeah. But then, you know, my friends, I, I guess Brendan was supposed to play a show too that same weekend at a, I think he was playing The Knitting Factory. Yeah. Uh. And then my friend Seth we just opened uh, this bar, this bar called the Starliner, and he he was like, "Hey, Brandon's playing my bar. You want to play?" I'm like, "Yeah, I guess I play, man. Like I'm I'm itching to play. Like I play whatever, you know. Like, I, I, and then I I don't know if I Uber or I walk there. I think it was really hard to Uber. Maybe I walked. I can't remember. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't know Brandon at all back then. Like we met that day. That's amazing. Yeah. He's a fucking character, dude. He's one of the he best, is, uh, most interesting people that I know in, in the sense that his mind can draw these high-level connections between things and he's fucking hilarious and charming and, yeah, dude, a, a great human being. Love I him. agree. I love Brendan. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's funny because Brendan found you guys too, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he did. Yeah. Uh, in a similar story to you guys in that he saw us play and kind of just told Toby, he was like, hey, this is... I found a band. <laughs> yeah, I found a band. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. When he yeah. came up to the merch table at that fest that they first saw us at, I didn't know. I had never seen him uh, play before. I didn't know what he looked like. And he came up and bought a T-shirt, and then he, he told me who he was. And I was like, oh, I really... Big fan of band. and really geeked out pretty hard. And then uh, he said he was going to come watch us. So And then we told each other that, and we tried to turn it up to, like, you know, as high of a notch as we could for it. It was, it was awesome. That's right. Yeah, uh, yeah, when he saw me, uh, you know, I was hope I was hoping for him to, like, see me, like, play with a full band. But he was like, 
no man you're really good (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like okay i mean i didn't even know that he was part of red scare like i heard of red scare before that but i didn't even know that he was like part of it and then he's like all right i'm gonna text toby now i'm like oh okay cool (laughs) and then that's how it just works that easy it's funny because so many times people are uh chasing after this uh, i think romantic notion in in music that you're just going to get seen by a label A&R person that, that just happens to break down in your city and goes to the open mic night or something like that. And I in know. reality, I'm always telling people, it's like, no, we have to practice every single day, always. Yeah, and yeah. That's the only way that any of this is going to you're going to get better and that, and that kind of shit. Practice um, every single day and never say no to any opportunity that you get because <laughs> you never know. Yeah. You know? And then yeah. here we are where it really was kind of just a case of somebody coming and seeing it or running into it. <laughs> yeah. Which is which is awesome. Which is fucking awesome, yeah. Yeah, dude. Uh, I'm stoked for the new record. November yeah. 1st? November out. 1st. Yeah. I, I wanted to make sure this came out before Fest. Like, we all trying really hard and, like, everyone tried, you know, like, you know, we needed the art like really, really fast. And we needed everything really fast, just b- because I really wanted for this to to come out before fest. Yeah, man, hell yeah! What uh, it seems like you guys changed a little bit thematically on uh, on this one. Uh, drifted away a little bit from at least the last record into yeah. more of a like a personal exploration um, or a reflection of what's going on with you in your in your current life. And I was wondering if you could uh, talk about that a little bit. Well, I I honestly think that the last record was was really uh, uh, more internal. Like it was more about what was going on with me. And okay. for this one, and for this one, uh, I kind of had to like split it in what was going on, what's going on outside, and what's going on like in my life too. Um, so it was actually the first time that I wrote that I wrote songs about like like the world you know and like everyone else because you know it's always at least for me it's always really easy to write about like what's going on in your life um but yeah so this one is uh uh how do i say it like I, i wanted to call it i wanted to call it either like like in and out or I forgot what it was, other names we had. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like you know, I had to split myself in like in 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 like a different person to like start writing songs about what's going on in the world and then like what's going on inside of my head because they're both like very important to me. So it's and and for everyone. So yeah, that's super interesting. So you would you say that you have kind of two voices? Yeah, on it. Yeah, one hundred percent. Uh, and you can kind of see and feel it on the songs, I think, because uh, uh, the songs that are like really political and like and and you know they're they're all like close to home too, because they're all ma- mainly about what's happening with like the uh, immigration right now and like and what's happening in Venezuela and and uh, even Edwin. Edwin has uh, two songs in Spanish in this one that he wrote about uh, about Colombia. And uh, it's they're fucking incredible. They're my favorite songs on the record. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm super stoked about that. Yeah, yeah. I always thought I, I had seen you post some things about Venezuela, um, and what's going on there on some social media and stuff like that. And I find, for me personally, that the amount of information that's presented, uh, at least in where I'm looking at information about Venezuela, has been conflicting to say the least uh a bit confusing and it's just uh it's it's been a really intense and seemingly a really 
heated subject for people uh, to take U.S. politics and turn it, the uh, Venezuela issue into almost like a um, an analogy for uh, things in their own worldview and stuff like that. And I was wondering if you saw that or how you feel about that at all or like, you know. Yeah, and I, you know, like I, I get that and I get when people see it that way. Uh-huh. But uh, to me, to me, when when uh when the u.s started like really paying attention to what's going on there like to me that that's really good you know we need all the help that we that we can get even if it's from fucking donald trump like i hate the motherfucker but sure but you know if he if he wants to take that guy out like let's fucking do it um seriously like it's been uh how many years already like 25 years of this of this thing you know uh and and we always get like that little sign of hope. Like on this last one, we did like we uh, we got like a new president, and then and then there was two presidents. Like no one in the world in the world has like two presidents running. I'm like, okay, like what's going on here, guys? Uh, and um, this, we always get this little sign of hope, and then it just like it never happens. Like it never happens. Yeah. So this time. This time, my mom like called me like like crying. She's like, "We did it! We did it! Like we have a new president." I'm like, "Mom, like please, like don't don't get your highest, you don't get your hope oh, heights. No. Like, uh, you know, let's let's wait a little bit." And now it's still now it's still going on. Like, you know, the guy still thinks that he's like the uh, the other president. And like, I really, I mean, I really fucking hope that something happens. But like, like I feel like everything like that wave is just like dying like little by little, and nothing's happening. Yeah, and it fucking sucks. Yeah, man. I uh, I'm sorry for you and your family uh, regarding that and the trouble that they've gone through because of it. Yeah, so. and you know what sucks with my family is that you know they I I just t- I told them like listen like just come out here like come or like go to Spain or like I want you to get out of there at least for now like I, I you know it's it bothers me so much that you're like there when it's so fucking dangerous and like so bad and. They just, they just don't want like they're like afraid to start over, you know. Like yeah. they're, and I, and I totally get it. I 100% get it because you know, like when you're like 60 or or 50 something, uh, you know, it's it's just hard. Yeah, I mean, I would say that uh, the older that I get, the more I'm afraid to start over yeah. to have a drastic life change like that. Um, the idea of you know, a humongous turnover is, is extremely attractive. And when I remember when I was 18 or 19, I was like, why can't we just fucking change all this shit and burn it down? Uh, the entire thing. Uh, yeah. Because, uh, you know, and then I didn't realize that, well, if you have kids and you have, um, you know, a certain skill that you've acquired or, uh, over a long time or you want to take that role in your community or you've known the same fucking people for 20 years, uh, it's, a, it's a lot different and uh, yeah. a lot more nuanced than just kind of like a drastic drastic change it is it is as well yeah imagine it'd be super interesting for you to get to grow up in two places like that uh have the viewpoints that you can or or the the political and social observations of being in the united states and also have the same one in venezuela um a lot of times i've noticed that when we go to uh, that when when our band goes to europe and and some other places like that there'll be people that want to talk to us about u.s politics and that a lot of times they're completely missing uh a lot of the cultural context that some of the issues have and it's like a really bizarre like 
It's like, yeah, you can say this, but you you will never get it, no matter how yeah, hard exactly. you try. Yeah, exactly. But that's <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's the same way as like people see or saw the Venezuela thing. It's the same way. Like Americans here were saying, like, you know, they kept on screaming, like, hands off, hands off Venezuela, hands off Venezuela. You know, like, like, dude, like, no, fucking, let's let's get this. You know, like, let's do it. Like, you don't understand what's going on. Like, we need we need everyone. Even again, even if it's fucking Donald Trump, like, we need everyone to like get you know get this shit done you know uh yeah yeah man it's it's the same same way as you were saying about the europeans like talking about the u.s politics because they don't you know yeah totally i think that everybody's i give everybody the benefit of doubt that they want their heart to be in the right place and they want uh uh better outcomes for everyone you know they want kindness but sometimes this shit gets very muddy and just gets i don't know i think that with uh the access to the internet and with the access to i mean look at me and you are talking over the internet right now <laughs> <laughs> that the access to information is becoming better and for those kind of reasons where we have a better yeah, understanding for economic things and better stuff, and but. worse because then you get you know like you you get my mom or or my dad like always always sharing stuff with me that i'm like I'm like, mom, it, this is just like an article that you find that you found online. Like, exactly. It doesn't, doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. Like, we need to like, you know, yeah. Yeah, it is a, a, a kind of a very much a rabbit hole situation. Yeah. yeah, and it's interesting. I guess you know, punk rock doesn't have the same um, kind of sharp slice into politics that it used to. I don't think. Um, and I know that void is being filled by a lot of other outlets for people and outlets for, for, for the younger generation to kind of take hold of. But it's like uh, with all that confusion and inf- misinformation, it's like it's a new brave new fucking world out there, man. That's how, that's how I look at it. Yeah. It's some weird, weird shit. Um, did, did, why don't we just keep the doom? Why are we talking about? Yeah, doom and gloom going, man. Uh, we yeah. <laughs> we were talking before this a little bit about uh, kind of, I guess, like mental health. Um, and specifically, we were actually just talking about our worst hangovers and how that spiraled into into those kind of things. But uh, one thing I've been trying to do recently on the podcast is uh, uh, uh normalize or kind of take away a little bit of the stick negative stigma or the at least like rare stigma surrounding issues of uh anxiety and and dealing with that and dealing with like uh substance and stuff like that and i know i read a couple interviews where you mentioned that you had experienced a a first panic attack and that really ended up changing what you were writing about at the time yeah uh no yeah 100 percent, dude like i mean to me my first panic attack was like the worst thing that happened to me in my life like like it is like it comes out of nowhere like you think that you're dying like you start thinking about like shit i have to say like bye to my mom to my dad like like i'm fucking dying uh and it's nothing like that it's just your fucking mind tricking you into like into like oh there's something wrong but there's actually not nothing wrong how fucking crazy is it that the 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 highest physical kind of dread that you can experience and the the closest to r- r- uh, recognizing your own mortality is because of what your fucking mind does to you yeah that's like uh that, that that's insane that psychosomatic kind of i mean it's not psychosomatic i guess but that that like to me uh it's it's fucking wild i was gonna say it's, it's crazy and then i realized that'd be a bit of yeah. a double entendre <laughs> but, yeah uh, it's fucking wild yeah man yeah so you ended up going to the hospital Right. I did, man. Like I, I got, I went, 
I went home and I told my friend Chris, who was my roommate at the time, I'm like, listen, I need you to call 911. I'm having a heart attack, like legit having a heart attack. He's like, no, come on, sit down. I'm like, no, look at my hands. I'm fucking shaking. I can't feel my hands. I'm sweating. Like, I need you to right now. I'm going to scream at him, like, to call 911. And he, he does that. And uh, and I remember talking to them. And they're like, are you sure? Like, you're, you're fine. And I'm like, no, listen, I need you to come. Like, like can, can you just take a cab? Like, I'm no. I feel like if I take a cab, I'm going to die in the cab. I need you to fucking Jeez come right now. Christ, yeah. Yeah, dude. It was crazy. It was fucking insane. And... Uh, when the ambulance came, like they took my blood pressure, and my blood pressure was like two through the roof, because I was like freaking out so much. Jesus. You know? um, so I don't know what they gave me, but like it definitely made me like like calm down. And then I, when I get to the hospital, I was like fine, you know, I, for whatever they gave me in the fucking ambulance. Of course. Uh, so in the hospital, they like, you know, they did all the things that they have to do. Cause I told them that I thought that I was having a heart attack. So they did a bunch of tests and shit and they were like, no, your heart's fine. Your heart is actually really well. Uh, you're just having a panic attack. And I'm like, fuck. Okay. And I, I seen friends like before, I remember like seeing friends like had them before or like mild ones or whatever. And I never understood them. I never understood my friends that had them. I'm like, wait, why? To, all right just like you know get some air or something yeah you, know, you should be fine yeah i completely until, agree un- that it was until un- that unable moment. to understand that yeah yeah you never understand like until until you get them i guess yeah i never thought that any of my well i guess maybe i thought some of my friends were full of shit when they were talking about it but there most of the time i was like yeah no it can't be that bad you know like you can we can talk you out of this easily it's like yeah oh, like 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 you suggested someone you go get some air or whatever like that uh, but then after you realize that you really can get to a position where you think that you're going to die, like like your heart is going to stop and the entire world's going to leave, that uh, you're like, oh wow, this is serious. This is like way more serious than any, uh, uh, you know, accident I've been in or whatever. Yeah, that's pretty wild. That's funny. Anyways, the yeah. first uh, one that I had was this very similar situation in that I was sure that I'd been poisoned. I went huh. into a bathroom and there was a bunch of cleaning chemicals that were spilled, and I was like, "Oh, that's fun." It was in San Antonio, Texas, and there was just a, like a backstage bathroom with your typical mop bucket and like chemicals and shit everywhere. And I was like, "Oh, it smells really intense in here, but I'm gonna take a shit in here anyway." And then, like five minutes after I got out, I was like, "Oh shit, I can't breathe right. It's getting like red face and stuff." And then, after a little while, I was like, "Damn, I think I gotta go to the hospital." But then part of me was like, "Wait, maybe this is." Um, you know, uh, uh, an anxiety problem. So I talked to one of the other, uh, uh, one of my best friends who had experienced this other times before. And he gave me some advice of like counting the ceiling tiles and gave me like half of uh, a dose of one of his, um, I think it was Xanax or Clonopin. And that made it go away. And then at the end, I was like, what the fuck was that? Dude, uh, what if that happened when you're driving? <laughs> That's so nice that, that your friend was there and you kind of knew what to ask and like the question, you know? Yeah, because it kind of started to happen in a similar way that I'd seen it seen it happen to them. Uh, so I was fortunate yeah. in that. I, uh, I I was really lucky about that. But after that, I was like, all right, we need to take we need to figure out whatever it is to make this not happen again. <laughs> yeah, what, whatever steps, whatever steps yeah. it goes. Yeah. Which, uh, that's what i've been doing that's what i've been doing lately i was just like you know i'm been treating my body as like a guinea pig it's just like because that 
after that, I started taking, I started taking like Soloft. Like my doctor put me on Soloft, and I'm like, it was fine. It was great. Yeah. But, uh, I always remember the commercial of the little eggs that kind of just... <laughs> yeah, with the, the, like the, the little... Uh, yeah. It makes the sad egg happy again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just... I, I, I don't like depending on pills like that, especially on those like hardcore fucking pills. Yeah. Um, so I stopped, I stopped taking that and I started researching about you know, like, like human body and like what, like, like what else could like uh make this like anxiety come out of nowhere you know yeah uh so i've been i've been like i've been taking like soup supplements instead of like instead of uh, you know xanax or whatever like i still keep keep my like my my emergency like clonopin uh, you know in my pocket just in course. case dude even just knowing that it's there i got one of those for when i'm traveling i got like this little yeah. stereotypical movie pill vial and there's one in the bottom of it and i'm yeah. just like yeah this is the emergency you know, yeah. in case you just completely freak out, you take that and you won't freak out anymore. Yeah, you feel you feel it's like so much more comfortable if you have it with you. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's scary though too because it's like you're starting to hear the rumblings and see some of the effects that that can have on people. You can fucking die if you uh, don't if you need it. Excuse me. If you become dependent on it, and you don't take it. You just yeah. You just die from from the uh, withdrawal symptoms, and that's like. Some wild ass shit, right? Or, there. or if you take too much, you know. Or if you like, take too like, much, yeah. Like what happened to fucking little people, whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's, that's what happened to him. I think so. People used to take that. We used to take that in high school. Uh, some people got really into it. That were my friends, and one of them took it and was so fucked up for two days. He did to make make like a full Zanny bar, like a full, like four milligram situation or whatever it was. Uh, yeah. yeah, and it was like fucked up for days. Had a court appearance, went to the court appearance, was so fucked up that he couldn't like speak correctly to the judge. Immediately got thrown in uh, juvenile detention. Shit's like, shit's no joke uh, in, in those places. But, uh, but back to the, the, the supplements, you find any good shit? You take like uh, 5-HTP so, or anything? No, I'm, so yeah, it's, uh, so my, my doctor recommended to take uh, this type of folate it's not so it's not folic acid it's just like a folate that is like completely different than the folic acid um so i've been taking that folate and b12 and, and vitamin d because my d and my b were like low yeah um uh, so i've been doing that and then I, i've also been doing a um what's what they call uh for your like stomach uh fuck probiotics yeah, probiotics. Probiotics apparently are really good too. You know, because like you know how they say that your real mind is in your stomach. Like, like sometimes like like your 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 oh, fucking yeah. stomach mind is the one that fucks with you. So if your stomach's happy, you know, if your yeah. inner inner whatever are happy, I think. Uh, totally, I love yeah. the, the the thinking of like, are you is the stomach bacteria living in you, or are you living in like the the bacteria? Yeah, you know, like there's yeah, so yeah, fucking yeah. many of them, and it's like get really dark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> man, something that's like more uh, bacteria on your in your stomach or and on your skin and everything, bacterium, than I think the stars in the galaxy or some shit like that, like some fucking wild ass, unfathomable number that I'm just gonna not correctly get and throw out there, but yeah. Pretty, it's fucking crazy. It's like, uh, what was that cartoon? Um, uh, Messenger, Messenger Z. You ever watch Messenger Z? No, no. Or like, a, or like Neo Genesis Evangelion. You ever saw that? They're like, they're like, like, you know, like animes from Japan. 
but it's just like how like humans like go inside this like big ass robots and that's how they you know and they like you know like i don't i don't know they uh control them like you know so this tiny human controlling this big ass fucking robot yeah so that's kind of like 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 the bacteria that's just like fucking like you know controlling your body like we're the robots and the bacteria is like the actual real controller of your fucking i don't know damn that's fucking that's so wild i, love that. <laughs> I was just uh tried to google it real fast or you tell me that and uh i found that a scientific american article it says scientists bust myth that our bodies have more bacteria than human cells and but then it just says the number is roughly equal. <laughs> so <laughs> that's all right. Shit. So it's, it's not true, but it's actually a lot still. Yeah, it's still it's still a lot. <laughs> still, you can make the argument as to who's who's running the show. Yeah, love that. I think that there is a big light at the end of uh, these uh, pro- like um, issues with anxiety, and that's that if your mind has the ability to make you feel that bad, I think that you, your mind and body have the ability to make you feel the opposite of the spectrum. and You can feel that elation or you can at least get to a point where you can manage it um, to live like a fulfilling life, at least. That's like the, yeah, the that's, great hope to roll forward. That's, that's, my, that's my goal. That's uh, everyone's goal. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what I work. Like I wake up every day to like with that goal. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you can't maybe not necessarily write the best music in that situation, but uh, we're not gonna get the best music out of it. But hey, that's that could be fucking bullshit too, you know? Yeah, like you don't. Yeah, like you don't need to. I mean, I, there's a lot of fucking happy ass songs out there that are really fucking good. You know? Man, my favorite are the real happy songs that are dark as fuck when you listen to the lyrics. Yeah. Uh, I just love that, like, re- super weird, creepy dichotomy. Yeah, there's a couple on this record that, like, the, the chords are, like, major, super major and happy, and, like, they're, like, the lyrics are, like, super <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. How, uh, how did you guys go about uh, writing this record? Do you uh, bring the songs in, like, an acoustic form, or uh, do you guys just kind of kind of bang them out, or is it, like, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this one. It's usually was, different every time, and you, yeah, you know. this one was like a hundred percent different because uh, our drummer Greg uh, moved to Portland, Oregon, to become a doctor. No, oh, no shit. Yeah, yeah, he he started this doctor program at I don't forget I forgot the university, uh, but he wants to be a psychologist, like a shrink. That's you know? great. Yeah. which is fucking good yeah because like especially in this music world, like we need a lot of people like that for. Yeah, for cheers this, to but, him, man. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he moved there, and this was just me and Edwin here in Brooklyn. So, like, I mean, I, I usually write most of the songs, but it's usually really nice to, like, bring him to the studio, to, like, the practice space and, like, jam it out just to actually see how it sounds, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know about it. Um, but I couldn't do yeah, that there's here. There's nothing so. more cheesy than ask somebody how they, like, just a blanket question of how you write songs, too. That's like... <laughs> So I yeah. to throw it out there. <laughs> no, no it's fine. Like I, no, it's fine. I, 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 I like to talk about this, um, especially because of the whole thing of like Greg moving out and like. Um, so I was just it was just me like writing the songs on the fucking computer on like GarageBand and putting like fake drums and like you know and doing the bass and sending them to them and they're like yeah it's cool and it's not cool or whatever. Uh, so that's how we did it. Uh, uh, and then Edwin, Edwin did the same with his two two new songs. Like he like you know wrote them and recorded them on the computer. And I was like, fuck yeah, these songs are awesome. Um, but then Greg came back in December for three, I think it was three days, and he literally like 
learn like all the, i mean he knew all the songs in his head you know already but like he just went into the studio and like bang all the fucking drums like in three days that's incredible yeah wow. and then we all we all did the same like I, then he left and then me and edwin like went back to the studio and like uh, the end of january or, or at the beginning of february and then did the bass and the and guitar and then the vocals but yeah it was completely different than before because before we were all in the studio together and yeah we wrote everything together and stuff but yeah nice. hell yeah i don't want to bore uh too many listeners but i know there's a bunch of people who listen that uh play guitar and are musician stuff you guys get any uh into any cool gear this time around in the studio uh well I, you know you know the rat right uh brad from the amza avalanche yeah of course uh. yeah so we recorded with him again at this place called the barber shop and the first time we recorded with him he was like kind of like a, the new engineer at the barber shop so he like didn't have like a lot of gear or like but now three years later he had like all the fucking gear yeah <laughs> hell yeah he had all these fucking crazy guitars that never went out of tune uh <laughs> he had yeah. a, he had like all these fucking pedals, like fucking earthquake devices and like crazy fucking pedals. And um, we, there was this full desk of like just pedals and he, that he called the, the tone zone. It was like, <laughs> all right, let's go to the tone zone. That's uh, awesome. <laughs> it, was, it was fucking awesome. It was awesome. I love recording with him because so, he's such a like good friend and like, it's, I don't know. It's just like fun to to do it. Oh yeah, and, and plus you need somebody. I found that uh, the the as the time is times we've done it have gone on that the social part of the recording or like the constant positive energy from the person who's recording you is the unsung hero of a record. You know, you go in and you're frustrated. Especially you mentioned he has guitars that stay in tune. I remember the the uh, that's like one of the biggest wrestling matches I've ever had in my life is when you're sitting there tracking a guitar and the fucking guitar. Won't stay in tune, or one of the frets on the neck is not in tune, and you have to. Man, there were times there. One one record, I tuned. I I think I played each note of a fucking chord that we had rang out because at that point in the record, the guitar was unsalvageable. That just gets to the. You get to those those uh, psychological spaces, and if you have somebody that's uh, really uh, happy and fun to be around, it makes the whole thing way better. I think that kind of like bleeds into the record too. Yeah, too. for sure. That's awesome. That you guys recorded them. Yeah, I mean, we use we use a bunch of those guitars that that don't go out of tune. But uh, but you know, I I, I I'm sure you know that the you can't bend the strings. Yeah. So like so like there, there there's a lot of things that I wanted to bend the strings, and he was like, "All right, like I have a pedal for that." I'm like, "What?" And he's like, "Break this pedal," <laughs> and he goes like, oh, oh. "I was like, all right, all right." <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah we'll say as being, uh, being on the other side of the desk and being the person recording of uh, help some friends record some EPs and shit like that. That and and some other bands that just like well, I was a hired gun and hanging out there, watching someone sit there with their fingers on the on the guitar and just bending them while they're playing <laughs> the chord. And they're like, "No, I didn't bend it." I'm like, "I can watch your fingers. That guitar's not out of tune. You're bending the chord." And then by the end of it, if you you just want to wring their neck, then you realize that maybe you wouldn't you wouldn't be the best producer. Yeah. Uh, but I or was going to say like it's it's the same like you're saying like uh, like it's really important for the guy that is is recording you to be positive and like and you know be your friend or whatever. But it's the same way with the band. Like if the band is a piece of shit, like then like, you know like I wouldn't want to record them. I wouldn't we wouldn't want to be the guy that records them. I don't oh, know. Yeah. Yeah, first time that we ever recorded, or that I ever was in a, in a musical group that recorded, was at a studio 
called well i forget it but it was in west granton i looked it up in the newspaper oh the yellow pages so you got the phone book i went back to the yellow pages um and under recording studios there was like three listed and uh there was one there and it had the address so i went looking for it and it was inside of a junkyard in west granton at the top of this like trestle kind of in an area that wasn't residential so you wouldn't know where it was but it was in a building that was nondescript and didn't have the building number on it. So I just drove back and forth, back and forth, trying to find it and started knocking on doors. And I finally found it. And there was this guy named Cliff, who still owns the place, uh, who uh, this was, Jesus, this was like uh, probably 18 years ago now. Yeah. But he uh, he opens the door and he's got a ponytail and he's like, all right, come on in, check it out. And we're walking around and he just sits me down. And he's like, listen, you could give me a pile of shit. And the only thing that's going to come out the other side is a a polished pile of shit. And I was like, okay, this guy's wild. And he's like, I got two rules. No weed, no Coronas. Um, But he just meant drinking. He didn't mean actually. Oh, I thought he was really meant Coronas. No, that was his like very, yeah, no, it was his very, (laughs) he said something against Corona. But it was his very, very dad way of telling us that we couldn't drink there. And we were all like 16 anyway, so or 15. Um, but yeah, and then that guy, we sat there and he polished that turd as best as he could. And it was, uh, it was a great experience. But yeah, we learned at the beginning that you can't, that that's it. You know, like it all, it's kind of like a pyramid, I guess, going in and that the, the performance is the most important part. And then comes the equipment and then comes the engineer and then comes the mixing and then comes the mastering. Uh, and, and as much as how much they are affecting the, how good the song is. And then it comes uh, Cliff's ponytail. And then comes Cliff's ponytail, which he was bald on top. As one bald man to another, <laughs> I got to tell you, Cliff, you might want to get rid of the ponytail. <laughs> I just get caught in shit these days. But yeah. Oh, Hell yeah. Did you, uh, you ever record with your high school band uh, in Venezuela? I did. I did. Uh, the first one we did, it was a fucking total pile of shit. Speaking of piles of shit. <laughs> uh, we went to these like really fancy studio right we were like all right like like, this guy has like he was like i have the best preamps man these preamps have like so many tubes inside they're like (laughs) the best fucking preamps and we were like okay so where do where are the amps they're like no the preamps they're here so we plugged into this fucking like but i preamp and straight to the computer and the guitar sound is so fucking bad dude <laughs> like back in the day i don't think they have any like amp like emulators or something you know like they didn't have anything like that so it, it was just like my dod distortion pedal through the computer literally. oh god so it, was, it just sounded so fucking bad oh man uh yeah that was yeah Sound like uh, I can't even imagine just straight into like they'd be like plugging into the microphone jack on your exactly. On your it was, I mean, the, even, even a, the preamp was the best preamp in the world, it still, it still <laughs> made it sound like if you, if you plug it into your microphone jack for sure. That's so fucking funny. I love that, like the intense, overconfident kind of recording engineer producer situation. Yeah. I mean, so, we're also 16, so we didn't know shit. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, I'll do whatever you say. All right, cool. Yeah. I used to think that the way that you got distortion was by cracking the tubes in the back of an amp. Because I, <laughs> I, I had read something online where somebody wrote, like, yeah, that's how Rancid gets it. Because I like, Googled, or well, there was no like, web crawler or Ask Jeeves or whatever, how, uh, how to make your guitar sound like Operation Ivy, which is funny because 
it's a Operation Ivy are an incredible band, one of the best ever, and the guitar is so fucking terrible on, <laughs> uh, on that record. So I don't know what I was trying to go for there, but I read on on some message board that it was like the like the screeching distortion of the over broken tubes in the amp, or some kind of worded in a way that made yeah. me think that you had to get like a hammer and hit the tube in the back. So I put oh my God. posting on a so like a gear sluts or something like that, one of those. Um, uh, message boards like, hey, uh, if I if I can get like a an amp that has tubes in it, is there like the right way to break it so I can get the sound or whatever? And then it was like five pages of people just roasting the <laughs> shit out of me. <laughs> uh, it was oh bad, and then I was like, I don't understand why the the first one was just a picture of like a thirteen year old kid with like making like, before memes, I guess, were really a thing, just making like a really stupid face, and uh, yeah, they really they got me. Wow. Yeah. So fucking Man, funny. People are mean. Yeah, they are. Jokes on them. I could smash all the tubes <laughs> I want now. <laughs> yeah, I saw you fucking smashing some guitars in your video. The yeah, other day. we did. We actually we got uh Squire to give us some broken guitars that we used. That's so cool. Yeah, it was fucking badass, man. One of that, that was a huge thanks up for them. We yeah. didn't uh, we didn't go into it thinking we were gonna smash them, but uh we were just, just a giant, giant rock thing. was there. Cool. Oh yeah, we didn't know they were gonna go into the pool. There yeah. was some I went, you can't see it in the video, but it was real funny that after the first time that I went in the water and I came back up, I picked the guitar up and there was a spout of water that was just shooting out of the input jack. <laughs> like a uh, like a waterfall coming out of it. That's amazing. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was uh freezing fucking cold. But that place was weird, man. It was uh it was awesome actually. The guy who owned that um house that we shot the the music video in was a landscape artist. And that pool where we did all the underwater scenes it was actually cool because they lit the front of us and they made it look like you, there's no back to the pool, so it looks like yeah. you're like in the abyss. Yeah, yeah. And that was sweet, but the whole thing was surrounded by Stonehenge like hinges, like these big uh, rock pillars that did around the entire thing, and then in the back was like um, almost like burial mounds, like Celtic or Native American burial mound. Where, kind where of was shit. it? In Connecticut, it was actually right uh, outside of Newtown, uh, where oh. yeah, we realized that we were like right by where uh, Sandy Hook. Um, in there, uh, hey, hey. but uh, uh yeah. <laughs> but the uh, and it was cold. You said when was this? When this was the only this? cold day, like oh, two weeks fuck, ago. Of course, you know, that was like that one that Saturday. <laughs> it was freezing. That yeah, was great. But uh, yeah, it was a whole lot of fun to do that, and it was uh, interesting to see um, the setup yeah. that they had there and shit. What uh, uh, I just wanted to ask you uh, one of my last notes here about the design part of your life. I know that you uh, your paying gig uh, or you, that was uh, uh, being a graphic designer. Yeah. For a while. Yeah, that's what I do. That's what I still do. Uh, to yeah, to pay rent in New York. <laughs> <laughs> Which I I don't know how you guys do it, man. It's so expensive. It's fucking awesome to be there and live there. Um, do you think that any of the kind of I've only recently exposed myself to making some visual art through taking some uh, photography classes? And one of the the biggest things that I learned in the photography class I didn't expect was the that just getting the vocabulary down for certain aspects of uh, a picture, like uh, your texture, um, shape, the color, the uh, direction, and some of the other things that you started to see it everywhere just by kind of like having words for it or uh, uh, noticing and studying other people's photographs. And I was wondering if some of your design there would bleed over into any frameworks for writing songs. Um, uh, or any just like keeping that creative creative kind of uh, mindset going throughout the day for that. No, I don't... I, 
I can't think of that right now. I don't think so. Um, but some, you know, like, I guess, dude, I don't, like, to be honest, like, I don't know what happens when I write the songs, man. I just sit down and, like, and I just start writing and and suddenly it makes sense. But, like, it's seriously, like, I, I, I mean, there's, there's a good handful of times when I knew exactly what I wanted to write about. But there's other times where I have no idea what the song's going to be about, and I just sit down and start writing and writing and writing. And then suddenly, okay, this song is about this problem in my life, or this song is about whatever's happening in Venezuela, or like, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. fucking weird how that works. I don't, I, don't mean, I don't know if it happens to you or anyone, but that's, that's how it happens to me. <laughs> I would say that the greatest songs that I've written were like that. They almost, <laughs> I almost don't remember writing the beginnings of them. Like you get a couple lines in or you get a, a direction or, or a melody. At least this is, this is how it's worked for me. And then you kind of just start ripping on it and ripping on it, and then it just comes in and you're like, oh, that's, that's what's going to work. You know, like that's the, uh, the, that weird part of myself that uh, they grabbed from. Yeah, and sometimes, like, sometimes, I, I mean, I, I write, like, interesting stuff that I think, like, down on my iPhone or whatever, and, like, it's so much harder to make that one really good sentence that you have a whole song than to start a fucking new one. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, my fear in life that someone's going to find all the ridiculous <laughs> shit that I've written in the notes on my phone, like, walking home from the bar. Like, oh, man, this is... This is such a good line that encompasses how I feel about this uh, subject, and I don't think anybody's ever said it that way before. And you wake up in the morning and read it and go, "Jesus Christ, that was Dude, stupid." Like, yeah. I I do that too, but I do that too with like melodies that come in my head, and I just like record them on my phone, and I just <laughs> I look like a fucking idiot, just like going like tune to do to tune tune to tune, you know, like shit like that. And I listen to it again, and I was like, okay, that makes no sense. What the fuck was I thinking? Hell yeah! I will say though that there's a, a at least for me there's a song that that we um, recorded that I found the the melody for it exactly how you're saying I had done that goofy shit and then yeah. like year or two later was going through all my voice memos looking for a specific uh, voicemail that a friend's wife left on my phone telling me that we were all giant scumbags because her husband got in trouble the night before and <laughs> it was our fault. And we wanted to look back on it and, and laugh about it, but uh, and then I found that that melody, and I was like, "Oh, that's actually pretty. That's that's pretty fucking cool." And then we used it, and uh, and that worked. Nice. Yeah. So it worked out. Yeah. Even if you get just one out of uh, of all the uh, one diamond and all of the other rocks thrown in with it, then it's definitely worth it. Um, hey, let me go give the charger for the computer. Hell yeah, go for it. One sec. Nice. Cool, it's recording again. But yeah, man, I think uh, I'm pretty much getting close to running out of questions, or I am out of questions for you. Uh, it's been great talking to you. Um, get it together comes out November first. You want to uh, add anything else about it? Uh, yeah. Which is, we, I gotta I, say, real quick, is my least favorite interview question of all time. Is when you get to the end and they say, 
Anything else you want to add? (laughs) Yeah, you want to plug something? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) uh, Well, we're about to go on tour with fucking Lagwagon and Face to Face. Oh, hell yeah. That's fucking, you know, it's fucking rad as fuck. Uh, Yeah. That's awesome. Are you coming through Philadelphia? No, sadly, no. Ah, yeah, we talked about that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. Like, why would you skip Philly? I don't know. There's never a reason. <laughs> yeah, man, I miss Philly. Every every now since like, Toby moved out, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, totally. I'm uh coming to New York soon. I'm really excited, and uh, we should hang out if you're not on the road. Yeah, when is that? I'll be, I think the uh, first week of October. I'm I'm still on the road. Yeah, you're still Fuck. on the road, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah. I feel uh, like that uh, a lot of the relationships in my life are like that. It's like, hey, we're. Uh, <laughs> we make these plans, but oh, you'll be in Australia and I'll be in, uh, you know, Florida. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so very much for joining me. I really appreciate it. All right, Tom. Hell yeah, I'm stoked. Thank man. you so much, man. Hell yeah. uh, I ho- really hope to see you soon, though. Like, we should hang out soon. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, oh, thank you so very much for listening to another episode of Future Friday with Jose Prieta from Make War. Head on over to makewarband.com pre-order the new record get it together which comes out on fat records on november 1st they'll be at the high dive on november 2nd and at saint vitus in brooklyn on november 7th of 2019 yeah thank you so very much and until next time so long Yes, we're out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday.